0: Dear fellow Redeemed, we consider briefly our reading from John chapter 17, um, part of the prayer that Jesus prayed on the night of Maundy Thursday, and the prayer that is often referred to as Christ's high priestly prayer, where Jesus prays for you. And as we begin, you might notice the, the thread of a theme running through all three of our readings today is that that God's Word gathers and collects people from all types of backgrounds and all types of places. Where, in our first reading, Paul and Luke and their traveling companions cross over from modern-day Turkey into Macedonia and Europe. And in our second reading, we see from that last chapter of Scripture that heaven is populated with people from every nation, tribe, people, and language in a church body that extends across time and space, in a church body that unites people from every tribe and race, in a church body of people who are united by the one simple fact that they were clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And then Jesus talks about that unity in our reading today from John chapter 17. And as we begin, perhaps a a good way to get into this topic of The unity within God's church is by something else that Jesus had said on that same Monday, Thursday evening A couple chapters earlier That greater love has no one than this that man lay down his life for his friends And we hear that And it's something that um, even in, <laughs> in downtown Ottawa, Ontario Which is nominally Catholic but um, functionally non-religious About a six-minute walk from our church, there was a memorial to fallen firefighters, and it had that as the the main centerpiece, that little snippet of what Jesus had said. Greater love has no one than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then in the wings of the memorial were the names of Ottawa-area firefighters dating back nearly 200 years who had lost their lives in the effort to save the lives of others. Because sometimes with these statements of Jesus, whether from um, that one about, greater love has no one than this, or what Jesus says today about unity within the church, it's something that, that we might perceive and understand in the same way that anybody else around us might perceive and understand it. When Jesus talks about wanting all people to be one, as he and the Father are one, when he talks about that, The outsider and the person, any person walking down the street would say, well, Jesus, then why are there so many different Christian congregations and denominations? And I think that that previous statement, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, gives at least a good analogy for understanding what Jesus is talking about today. Because even that phrase, whether we apply it to emergency services and such personnel, or whether we apply it and remember it today, and and yes, give thanks to God for those who did lay down their lives for their friends, or those who did lay down their lives for their country, we can understand that from a typical American and patriotic perspective, from the perspective of somebody who is benefiting from the sacrifice of another. And it's a true statement. But then Jesus goes on to say, you are my friends. With the rest of that statement, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then he talks about how he has brought those disciples into friendship with him. With the point being that even though any outside observer might recognize the value and the valor of laying down one's life for another, Jesus takes that and adds a stronger and spiritual component, that he is the one who calls us friends, that he is the one who has laid down his life, not just for the temporal and temporary blessings of safety or peace or security or freedom, but for the eternal blessings of heaven. And so by analogy then, when we get to this section from his high priestly prayer, talking about unity within the church, it would be simple enough to address it and to look at it in the same light as that previous statement of Jesus. greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And now, Jesus talks about unity within the church. May they be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. That's basically verse 21. And it would be simple enough to look at that From just the simple worldly understanding that when Jesus says this, when Jesus says this, one of the hallmarks of Christians in this world and one of the ways that they would set themselves apart from every other organization is the fact that they are united. That even the world would recognize and believe. That even the world would recognize that there is something different about this religious group following this man from Nazareth. But if that's all it were, if that's all that Jesus would be talking about, then we would look at this, and there's a couple of places you would end up. Either one, Jesus hasn't kept his promise, and his prayer has, left, has been left unanswered, and his prayer for you has been left empty. Or the other option That we need to do more and perhaps even compromise in order to have the unity that Jesus wants here. That we need to bring about the unity that Jesus talks about here in a way that that people can see it. And where do we end up? And what shall we do? Shall we say, while Jesus and his prayer have fallen through, that his prayer for you and for me and for his Christians of all time, that that prayer is, um, is... Has been left unanswered? (laughs) Because the implications of that. If Jesus can pray to his own heavenly father. And have his prayer left unanswered. Then what of you and me? Why would we take the time to pray. If God wouldn't even answer, answer his own prayer. What's the value of prayer in that case? Or the second option. Option A, either Jesus and his prayer have fallen through, or option B, we need to get to work to create some unity, some unity that the world will recognize and applaud, and and some unity in a way that will that will help them to see the glory of this Jesus. But by analogy, it is true. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, except maybe that a man lay down his life for his enemies, which is what Jesus did. And by analogy, when Jesus talks about the unity that he wants, and the unity that he wants to accomplish, and the unity that he wants to bring about, there has to be something more here than a simple organizational structure Or umbrella, where all the Christians gather together and say, you know, there's nothing to worry about here, nothing to see. Because option A, (laughs) that Jesus and his prayer have been left unanswered, well, that's not, I think, a scriptural approach to just say, well, God forgot about that one. And option B, that we need to create some sort of visible Christian unity in order to fulfill this prayer, I don't think that fits either. But by comparison to that previous verse about laying down one's life, we recognize and remember that maybe there's a little bit more here that Jesus is talking about in a spiritual way. And he has a little bit more value that he adds to this in a spiritual way. And that maybe his prayer has been accomplished in a spiritual reality that is something the world might recognize or it might not, but that doesn't matter. May they all be one, Father, as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And when he says that, I think one of the the helpful ways for unlocking this is exactly what we talked about in our small catechism portion today. When we talked about that petition, that section of the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, we pray that that God's kingdom would come to us and to many others as well. That the kingdom of Jesus is a spiritual kingdom. That you or I just walking through the grocery store or down the street or even sitting here, I can't look into your heart and recognize and see faith there or not all I can do and all we can do congregationally or as a Christian is to go by your confession of talk, what you say you believe. And then in a secondary way, your confession of walk, how you live on that faith. And that gives us some insight into the spiritual reality. That Christ's kingdom is this invisible group who is completely and perfectly united in faith. But that this invisible kingdom of God, this invisible ruling activity of Jesus in your heart and mine, and in the hearts of Christians all around the world with whom you are perfectly united in faith, that this invisible ruling activity of Jesus is made visible by what we say, by what we confess as the truth. And that is made visible as we live out the reality of that truth. Take for instance now, Pastor Hagen, what do you mean by that? Um, for example, if, if a young couple comes to me and says that they would like to get married and they, they have been instructed in, in the faith here and, um, and that they, they've been members of our church or whatever the case may be, and I say, wonderful. And we talk about, talk about marriage, go through all the pre-marriage classes and courses, and it comes out that they have already started their life together under the same roof that's a place where the discrepancy between confession of talk, what they say they believe, doesn't match up with the confession of walk, how they live out that belief. And, that, and I've had that conversation in probably, I don't know, two-thirds of the marriages that I've officiated over the last 12 years to encourage these young people to bring their confession of walk, how they live out their belief, back into line with their confession of talk, what they say they believe. Because in that way, in that way, the kingdom of Christ is, in a sense, made visible. And in that way, as these young people, in this particular instance, as these young people choose a different option and a different path than, their, than people their own age, than their peers, if you use that word, as they choose a different path, then Jesus is glorified. And then, exactly what Jesus had said here that the world may believe that you sent me, that is partly carried out as they confess their faith by what they do and not just by what they say. And so it's that confession of talk and confession of walk when they are united that what we say we believe is backed up and confessed by what we act and how we live out that belief that the spiritual reality of what Jesus says here is made visible for the world around us. That the spiritual reality of the unity that he has brought us into, the spiritual reality that you are a member of the kingdom of Christ, and that he has made you his own, and that, yes, you are perfectly united with every other Christian on the face of the earth, both and every other every other Christian, every other believer who's in heaven. That the spiritual reality is, yes, that there's one one church, one kingdom of Christ, with... Two aspects you got the the church triumphant those sainted believers many of our loved ones who now enjoy that that glorious light of Christ and who are clothed in the robe of Christ's righteousness in a as described in Revelation and yet us down here in the church militant those who still have to struggle against sin and death and the devil those who still live in a world of sin and death and pain and still have the opportunity and the obligation to follow through with our confession of talk and our confession of walk. But bringing that all together, we see that, first of all, Jesus' prayer has been fulfilled because he has done the work to create this unity. He has done the work to bring people together um, on this side of the world and the other side of the world. He has done the work of bringing people together that you'll never meet this side of heaven, as well as people who won't even be born when Jesus takes you to heaven. He has done the work of washing his bride, the church, in his blood and in holy baptism. He has done the work of creating a unity that is an invisible but solid unity, a unity that is based on the word of God and a unity that is lived out in a world that crucified Jesus, and still hates him. But the message that Jesus has for you and for me is that this Jesus who rose from the dead, that this Jesus is triumphant, and that he is the one who has created this unity. He is the one who has promised to bring you to heaven. He is the one who wants to encourage us today with these words from John chapter 17. The words that there is a spiritual unity to rejoice about. As long as we live in this church militant, where we have to struggle against sin and death and pain, there is a spiritual unity that we rejoice about. Even as we rejoice in that spiritual unity, that there are Christians in, in many of the other churches that are worshiping right now. You can rejoice in that fact. Because where the gospel is proclaimed, there the Holy Spirit will create and strengthen faith, when and where he chooses where that message of forgiveness in Jesus is shared there the Holy Spirit can do his work and there he promises to do his work and re- we rejoice in that fact and that spiritual unity even as, even as we at the same time <laughs> are not members of the same congregation or church body as many of these people because that's the other part There's this spiritual unity that Jesus has won for his people. But that we still live in a world where that spiritual reality has to be verbalized. We confess this is what we believe. And this is what we don't. You can see that a little bit more clearly perhaps in the Athanasian Creed. The longest of the three creeds that are in our hymnal. Um, We believe this about the Trinity. (laughs) And we'll use it next week. And we believe that these things are false, that he is one God in three persons and three persons in one God, yet not three gods, that sort of a thing. Where we verbalize, we put into talk what we believe as well as what we don't believe, so that the unity we do have, the visible unity that we do have, is based on the word of God. And that's a joy that's a joy for that opportunity to be able to say this is what we rejoice about these are the truths that unite us this is the tie that really binds us together the word of jesus and the the teaching of his word that this word is the basis for all of our unity the spiritual unity that you were baptized into as well as the visible unity that you joined when you stood here and you said or or in a church very similar i suppose When you stood here and you said that, I believe that I have been instructed according to the word of God and that the exposition or the teaching that I hear in this place is in line with the word of God. That opportunity to rejoice with fellow Christians to say, this is what I believe based on the word of God. And if you remember that uh, that confirmation, right, that it goes on that, do you intend to live your life according to that word of God? And to be faithful in the use of word and sacraments, even, um, even putting up with ridicule, bullying, or death, rather than forsake this Jesus, if so, answer, I do, and I, I do. Why do we do that? Because there, in a very visible way, we see the prayer of Jesus answered and the promise of Jesus carried out, where in a little bit of a glimpse Among the militant, the church militant here, in a little bit of a glimpse, we see a glimpse of the unity that Jesus has promised for all time. And a glimpse of the unity and the spiritual reality that he talks about here in verse 21. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. That that prayer has been answered By Jesus, the one, dying for the sins of all. By Jesus bringing that church and gathering that church together through that gospel message in both word and sacrament. That prayer has been visibly answered as we we gather together here. As a congregation of God's people. As we look around and we recognize that these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the people who are united in faith with me. These are the people with whom I will be worshiping Jesus for all eternity. These are the people that I want to confess my faith with. These are the people where I want to confess both in my confession of talk and confession of walk, in what I say as well as what I do, so that so that by all possible means, in every way, I might speak and share this message of Jesus so that the spiritual truth of his kingdom would extend to the heart of another, so that even one or two more might join us in that great and innumerable cloud of witnesses in heaven, the group worshiping Jesus even now. You could think of it this way, that on this weekend when the rest of the world, or in the rest of our country I guess, takes a little bit of time off to to hopefully remember the sacrifices of previous generations and thank God for the blessings he has preserved to us today. And at the same time, the rest of our nation also kind of, I guess, recognizes or applauds this this weekend as the weekend for barbecuing and it's the start of summer and let's go. (laughs) That it is true that greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But the greater truth is that Jesus Christ laid down his life for his enemies to make you his friend. And even as we, you know, have our parades and our festive music and our moments of silence, um, at the same time, we recognize the greater truth, as Jesus talks about here, that the unity... That we have, the unity that is visible, is a unity that Jesus wants to use in order to proclaim that word to another. A unity that Jesus wants to gather his people together visibly around his word. So that others might hear of the same Jesus who has washed them and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And a unity that we celebrate even as this side of heaven, we don't, we don't work together with those who share a different confession of faith. That we don't cooperate and worship with those whose teaching works against what Jesus says here. Because the unity, just like the celebration, the unity isn't just some external visible organization. The unity is, and only can be, and truly is, found on the basis of the Word of God. Because Jesus does the work exactly as he always has, of washing his people, of sending the Spirit to create faith, and building unity based on that Word of God. And even as we we celebrate and remember and commemorate this weekend, let's also take a moment to celebrate and commemorate and remember And thank God for the unity that is visible here, visible there, and will be visible forever. Amen.